Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. How did you guys sunrise today? Hmm, what does that mean? It's a, Span- it's a Spanish phrase. Como manasieron. Oh, I like that. How did you sunrise yeah. today? Right. That's I was like, up and at him, man. Yeah, like, how was, how's your morning? How you feeling today? What's that phrase mean? Up, is it, is it up, up and, and at him? Like A-O-T, A-T-O-M. Like A-T-O-M? Is, yeah. that, is that what it is? Up and at him. Up yeah. an atom. It's a from the nuclear age. Is a phrase during the fifties and sixties. <laughs> oh, well, in that case, nobody really knows what it means, though. Does it mean you're just bouncing, bouncing just around, bouncing around like a yeah particle Exis- collider, existing, mm-hmm. gliding, huh? Bursting mm. your nucleus. Y'all are silly. We're <laughs> nerdy. Y'all are a bunch of goofballs. It's too silly. How's no, your Ash Wednesdays? Up... This is... Good. Hmm? What were you going to say, Mike? I woke up like 30 minutes before my alarm. Mm. And I don't know if y'all have ever had this before, but I was just like so cozy. Uh, normally, I try to go back to sleep. But I just kind of laid there and enjoyed the comfort of my bed hmm. for like, uh, yeah, maybe a solid 15 minutes. It was really nice. Without falling and back then, asleep? Yeah, you know, who knows right. when you're in that state. It's like <laughs> That's true. You come and you go. But right. I was just totally, it was like the right warmth. You know, I had the cocoon thing going on. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Oof. Yeah, and then roll out of bed and kick the morning right in the face <laughs> it was awesome that is awesome yeah i had a i had a very busy ash wednesday yesterday um i, I was so blown away i that's my first ash wednesday in the parish and mm-hmm. it is it's certainly worth thinking about why we had you know seven or eight masses yesterday, almost more than we have on a Sunday, as many as we have on a Sunday, and all of them are were packed. Yeah, like what same the here. heck? Mm-hmm. We had twice as many masses. No, more than that. We had five because I did one on the West Campus as well, packed wow. to the gills, every single one. Wow. You, Rob. Say it was good. It was good. I had um, I only had two masses. I had one on campus and one at the parish, and then um, but they were very full. The same, but it was it was actually it was a very good day here. Very well, kind of spaced out, and um, yeah, good time for for prayer. And yeah, it was it was honestly it was very good. Yeah, what I don't is have it an that, answer to that question? I, I I still can't figure it out myself. Uh, were you yeah. guys ever uh, i was never a person who was not engaged very much in my faith but i was an ash wednesday goer i was never one of those people so i i have a hard time understanding it 
I don't think I, I not, not how I remember. I'm trying to think back to like my freshman year. And even then I think I was going pretty much every Sunday to mass. But I was certainly around and have been around a lot of people that, that were, but I don't, it was never like a conscious thought. It was just like, no, we just, we go to mass on Ash Wednesday. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. Now where that comes from, I don't know. But as far as like how it's thought about, I don't really think it was that I ever experienced. It was much more than that. I got one for you. Yeah. This kid walks in yesterday and Becca's standing at the, had the missionaries and Becca standing at the door, handing in, handing out uh, worship aids and stuff and just greeting people. This kid walks in and asks her, do you guys have gluten-free hosts? And she said, ah, actually we don't. And we weren't doing both species that day because of just the amount of people. She didn't say that, but he just kind of like, he goes, oh, okay. He starts walking in the church and he goes, what am I doing? I don't even believe in God. I just came here for ashes. And he just walks out. Whoa. No way. Yeah. That was the extent of their conversation. Like she didn't even have a chance to be like, wait. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get what the ashes mean to people. I try to explain it in the homily that it's, you know, about repentance and our sinfulness, our mortality, but there's something really, uh, that speaks to people about that stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I I had a homily. I, I, Decided I was going to preach the same homily to the parish that I preached to the school and all the kids. And I essentially told the same story, but it kind of morphed. And, you know, just kind of being there in the parish while everybody trickles in, I started to realize, like, oh, snap, there's a bunch of people that, like, this is like a creaster kind of a homily. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This is, a, this is a one-time opportunity here that they're probably not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to speak to these people directly again. And so I just pointed to the fact like, (laughs) hey, the one day a year where we tell you you're dust, like you're nothing and you're a sinner and I'm going to mark you as a sinner. Everybody's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's hear that. I want to hear that to dust you and remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. And um, so the thought that came to me was it's kind of like uh, the Cain and Abel story. You know, after Cain kills Abel, he gets marked by God, an indicator of his sinfulness. Like, he is a wrongdoer. He is a sinner. He has fallen. And in the same way, we kind of get marked. But what I loved about it was our mark isn't just a blob or like a black spot, but that our mark has a has a shape and it takes a form um, and that's kind of the distinction and that's why we can proudly proclaim it. Cause it's like, yeah, I'm a sinner. And you know, the, that's, I played on the whole barren idea is like, we know that I'm not okay, that you're not okay. And like, everything's not okay. And so today we get to like live in that reality, but we don't stay there. So it's not just you're a sinner and then, and then you're left, but it's like your sin has been shaped by somebody and has has been saved by somebody and and so the ashes kind of give that double distinction yeah i'm a mm-hmm. sinner but i'm also saved by the cross of christ so we get marked 
in in that shape in that sign of the cross so so that's what I played on and I I don't know I I wonder if that's what folks are hungry to hear mm. is that like yeah we are sick but in our sickness you know there's a savior just kind of telling the truth in that way and if if Ash Wednesday speaks to that at some level for people Yeah, I'm grateful for it. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I wish I could see you guys every Sunday. I mean, I I give a little bit of a come on back now, y'all, um, in the homily. But uh, I'll take whatever in our culture calls people home. You know what I mean? I, I think that it's the Holy Spirit somehow speaking to him. But like that this kid doesn't even believe that God exists and yet wants ashes you know, like it, it might be some subconscious subliminal thing where he does believe that there's a God that loves him unconditionally and that his sin isn't his whole story and that Jesus has died on the cross for him. And, uh, I'm sure he was, I'm sure he was, uh, raised a Catholic if he's asking about hosts. Um, he knows that much. Probably went to a Catholic high school, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's something still that speaks to people. Um, it's God, <laughs> the Holy Spirit calling them home. Um, but there's just so much that competes. And that's the other thing I think that appeals about Lent. Um, if people know that Ash Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, I, I don't even know. I take nothing for granted anymore. I think Ash Wednesday is because you have ashes on your forehead, it's kind of like a, Hey, Oh yeah. Where do you get ashes? And it's just a reminder to people. It's kind of public. You see people walking around, even some TV people or social media celebrities wearing their hashtags or hashtags or whatever. Um, is that, a, I, that's a yeah, thing. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg was on there. Mark Wahlberg <laughs> dropped the whole like mind blowing. Hey man, maybe don't give stuff up for Lent. Maybe try to be more loving. <laughs> Whoa, dude. <laughs> I thought about that. Um, but like, like praise God that there's people out there showing it off and proud, proud to wear a cross in their forehead. That's why I just like anybody that wants to come in and get ashes, even between masses and the missionaries were great. They were like doing little gospel reflections with small groups of people that came in that didn't have time to come to mass, you know, give people whatever we can give them, um, on this day when, for whatever reason, they feel like they can cross the threshold of the church. But the length thing, I, I do think that uh, the other thing I tried to hit on was the self-improvement. I think that that's, I, I see that a lot in our our kids at the college, that there's a sense of like, I want to be better. I want to work harder. I want to do more, um, you know, sort of motivational type stuff. So I tried to emphasize that, yes, that we are broken. We are sinners. We do need to be better. And, um, but primarily Lent and Christianity in general is about the unconditional love of God and the drama of your life is <clears throat> the interplay between God's gift and your acceptance of it. And, uh, it's more important that you go to mass on Sunday and receive Jesus in the Eucharist than that you, um, don't eat meat on Fridays during Lent. You know, not that you, not that it isn't serious not to eat meat or to eat meat in Lent on, on a Friday, but it's sort of like, I kept picturing, I never used this analogy, but I was trying to think of something like, 
you're trying to observe some obscure rule uh like offsides in soccer but you're like carrying the ball in your hands you're like well you're breaking a bigger rule <laughs> like a more central rule of the game uh while you're trying to observe sort of like lesser more esoteric rules hmm. um and the the main thing that god wants is for you to show up for him to to love you um you know but there's something more simple about like oh i got my ashes i you know i'm giving something up for lent and when god is actually looking for like just some more unstructured time with you you know does that make any sense yeah you got any thoughts rob um broccoli yeah they don't rob. what called you broccoli rob i was watching the office name? last night is that my new nickname is that is that a thing <laughs> who's broccoli rob that's from uh, andy bernard's acapella group <laughs> i think it's actually stephen colbert he's broccoli I rob think, uh, i think stephen colbert is broccoli rob wow yeah. I'm okay yeah. with it. I'm okay. I mean, his juice, his juice kind of like run its course. I don't know. <clears throat> we can see if Father Gus can change the intro. Maybe yeah. um, broccoli, Rob, Seabisk, and Joe Pug, three dogs more. <laughs> Dang it! Am I going by Joe now? Oh, uh, oh, that's what that means. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I here's what I was thinking, and we don't have to go down this road, but. I, I feel like you you very often kind of preach to yourself on Ash Wednesday or any other day of the year. And I kind of just went back to, hey, like, hey, go back to the basics and use this. And similar to you, Bisque, of like, it's really good that you're here. Actually made a plug for, if nothing else, like, when the church says pray fast and give alms, like, pray, like, go to Mass on Sundays. Kind of make that number number one as something to do during Lent and, um, but I, I just, it's just such like an opportunity just for like a little readjustment in, in your life to put God at the center or however you word it, like what you're longing for, um, to actually seek that properly, um, or in a fulfilling way. But I felt like this year, probably more than any other year in recent memories, like, and again, I don't have words for it of why this is, but it was, it was kind of just like a deeply peaceful day, um, for me specifically in the whole, I mean, it's public and everything, but the Jean Vanier stuff. And I was, I was like devastated by that man. Um, and so it was, I don't know. It's just like consoling, um, to, to have a day of like this, it is kind of ashes out there, man. Um, and not devastated in that, like, you know, I mean, it didn't, I guess, like rock me to the core or anything um, like that. And I knew something like that was possible, but I really thought that guy was a saint. Like, I would say that, you know, and it's like, dang, man, that is ugly, ugly stuff. Um, so for for me, the experience was was just kind of like I needed that day. I don't really know why, but it helped a lot. Say more about that. How did it help? Well, nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> little, yeah. 
feel like we're not going to go into spiritual direction here or anything oh. like that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean it just it was. It's like man, <clears throat> there there's somehow in this sense of um, I I don't know what it is. It's not like solidarity with other people as sinners. Like that's just it seems weak. Like in the experience of the explanation of it. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like if you, if you were talking about like, if there's a Holy Spirit movement, um, it's just kind of the sense of like, Hey, you'll be okay type thing. Um, like more so than like being marked as a sinner or anything, um, like that. I don't know. It's just an experience. Like the, the feeling is hopeful somehow in it. So I don't really have anything past that. One of the things on that podcast that you've mentioned a number of times, times Connor, the place we find ourselves, is they're they're really big on this idea of um, not despair, not hopelessness, but that in your grief that you can experience sorrow, and that it's really important in the place of sorrow um, to actually allow yourself to feel that. Um, when it's appropriate, which I think is a little bit different probably than sadness or like a depression or something like that. But yeah, I wonder if Ash Wednesday kind of does give that space of like a sorrow for, for sin, meaning like things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. And sometimes that hurts. And like there's a kind of a space where we can enter into that sorrow, not so that we can sulk in it or like be obsessed with it, but one of the big points that they make in the podcast is when you allow yourself to enter into and feel this experience of sorrow, then it gives the Lord an opportunity to come and comfort you and and give you the spirit of his consolation in the sorrow. So it's like, yeah, the appropriate response to hurting yourself and other people is actually a sorrow, you know, a, a sorrow for the things that we've done. And, and even that's kind of a gift from God to, to experience that. But he also comes there and, and meets us there in, in that sorrow. Um, kind of that's, that's kind of what it, what it made me think of there, Rob, as you were describing that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Do you guys find that when you read stories like that with the John Vanier stuff that, I mean, what's your reaction to it? Not to get too you know, into the deep spiritual direction thing, but to me it's like, um, the desire that comes up for me is to just be like an invisible saint. Like I don't, not that every person that is publicly holy is a fraud. That's certainly not the case. Um, sure. But... It just seems more fraught with danger um, to be, I don't know, because we need people that that are examples. We need leaders and founders of things. And um, but I'll tell you what I'm thinking about is uh, this phrase, living liturgically. I can't remember where I read it, but I'm teaching this class later today, actually, on Corbone's book, uh, Wellspring of Worship, and been thinking about that. Uh, 
the difference between liturgy and liturgical celebration, that the age of the liturgy after Ascension and Pentecost is that, you know, Jesus's body is the location of, of the exitus reditus of like God's self-emptying love into creation that's received finally in Christ's body on the cross, like perfectly and offered back. And then now the church in the age of the Ascension is this progressive, like giving back to the receiving and giving back, um, this love, which is the, what I was trying to say in the homily, like the, the drama of our lives is, is all about that. Um, your reception of God's unconditional, intense, particular love for you and your, and your giving it back. And the liturgical celebration is like the, the manifestation of it. It's the visible face of the body of Christ, you know, through him, with him and in him giving all glory to God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, um, becoming what we worship and and all of that. But on a just like a day-to-day, I mean, what's cool about a fast day is that you're you're living liturgically. It's not just at Mass, but like your whole your whole day is uh conditioned by this. You know what I mean? And it's one of the few days when that's actually the case. It's not just, oh, an hour in Mass and then I gotta go make sure I don't forget about that while I live the rest of my day. Um, you know, being hungry reminds you constantly that this is a fast day. This is a day to be sorry for sin. Um, and I think it's, it's hard when you're not living in, I went and visited a, a community of priests a few weeks ago and I forget what these are called, but like some rad trad thing, like the Ember days or you guys ever heard of stuff like that where there's other, Mm -mm. um, Feasts and fasts in between the... Uh, I haven't. In between the seasons. I forget what what it was called, but I remember we did our holy hour. I was visiting this community, and we did a holy hour together, and then dinner. And historically, their dinners have been very good, but they came out, and it was just like a tray of vegetables. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I hope they bring the meat out, because it was like a Thursday or something. And uh, maybe it was a Friday. Maybe I should have known that they weren't going to eat meat, but... Um, it wasn't Lent, but the priest explained like what the day was and how it was like, we're preparing for Lent. It's kind of like mini Lent before the Lent. And, uh, just a little thing like that. I thought, wow, you guys are all in a community and you kind of hold each, hold each other accountable. That, like we're all doing this together and we're constantly reminded of like what season we're in. And, um, and the fact that the seasons keep coming back every year and that there's always a Lent to <laughs> to look forward to and there's always an Easter to look forward to and while we're in these bodies in time uh, conditioned by death and limitation like there's always this opening up to the Paschal Mystery of what what we celebrate the whole year is centered on on Easter Um, so there's that hope so I guess with the Jean Vanier thing like there's that going on where it kind of that sort of living and thinking and and worshiping militates against a sort of egoism that or narcissism or an exceptionalism that I think breeds that kind of kind of evil uh, of manipulating people or using your spiritual. What I found especially creepy about it, not to get too into it, but sure that it wasn't just a hypocrisy of like, oh, on the face of it, you were this saintly holy guy, but then on the side, you were doing some bad things um and lying about it it was more like it was more integrated into the philosophy you know and the 
and the kind of culty mysticism where you're you're using uh jesus to to abuse people um i found it much more troubling than simply like disordered passion you know what i mean um so being having what i like about living liturgically is that it's something outside like something i would not choose to do and it's not me like this is my philosophy or my theology this is what the church asked me to do in my community we're all doing it together and it reminds me constantly that i'm a sinner but i'm saved that i'm going to die but i'm also going to live forever uh etc and that no matter what happens uh i could be disgraced or i you know i could be falsely accused or something could happen or it could just like have unpleasant things happen to me get sick or or have people betray me or or whatever but that i can like there will be sorrow in life but to hang on to this is a above all most important something like marta said about the liturgy of the hours uh that i that stuck in my brain that responsory for the reading every night at night prayer into your hands lord i commend my spirit he's like if you say this every night before you go to sleep it will be on your lips when you go to sleep in death Hmm. you know so that is kind of what i'm thinking about like as these things come up and no doubt in the years we have left in life, there will be more heroes that are knocked off their pedestal. There will be more sorrow. You know what I mean? But like this way of living, uh, is the only hope is the only, is the only way to not get blown around by the winds. You know what I mean? To be rooted in that mystery. Yeah, man, I'm with you. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, I mean, I. In regards to the question of how, what are my thoughts on the Vanier thing, or uh, how did I react to it? I grew up in Regnum Christi, <laughs> so right. we're yeah, like sure. we had you know the founder was really a, just a wicked. A wicked man in a lot of ways and that and yeah he's very very wicked so um i mean it stinks yeah i i was pretty just surprised um all of my experiences we've talked about them on the podcast like i know we, we've we've all been devotees Dude, there are schools named after him oh yeah dang yeah yeah. Well, so, and to kind of go back, I didn't mean to react. I, there wasn't like a negative reaction to the say more bisque about spiritual direction, but that is way back whenever we were talking about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just takes you like when something like that happens. Um, I mean, it's certain like not in any way. Yeah, like I, if you have more thoughts on what you were saying there, Mike, by all means. But you know, I've thought about too in recent years of like in college, you know, probably uh, not, there's a couple like, but like two priests that had a very, very big impact on me. Um, one, at least you guys know, but like they, they both left the priesthood. Um, and like, so just it take when something like that happens, 
it kind of takes you back to that. So it was just, for me, it was kind of this opportunity, mm. your whole thing of like, take the medicine, Mike, of, hey, I tell people this all the time, but just let, you you got to kind of go back when something like the Vanier thing happens. Okay, it took me back to some of those memories. And it's like, you got to like be with Jesus in those, you know, they're still, they're still there and it still hurts in certain moments and everything. Um, but no, I mean, so anyway, th- I mean, there was that like part of the day, but there was still something specifically with Ash Wednesday that I don't have my finger on. That's like, somehow this is, I, I really do feel like this is like more consoling than it would be had it not been Ash Wednesday. Does that make any sense? Hmm. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there, Mike, but I kind of finally put words on it there, so I wanted to throw yeah, her out there. No, 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 no. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, yeah, that's good stuff right there. Um, yeah, no, I was just saying, um, you know, I, the whole scandal around folks that are... Um, you know, public heroes in the Christian life that, you know, it turns out to be kind of frauds in that way, hypocrites in that way. Um, you know, I, we had a really rough experience of that, you know, and, and so I, I feel like my, I'm very callous to a lot of those things. Um, although at the same time I was very shocked because he is such a, I don't know, his work was so, um, I was just so good, it seemed, and so beautiful, and, um, you know, he seemed to gain nothing out of it, you know, work, working with the, their phrase of all people are equal, and, and we want to respect the human dignity of every person, and, you know, love them, and the infinite value that they're created, and reading his writings, I mean, they are beautiful, and so I... Yeah, I guess I was I was surprised and how hidden his work seemed to be that that this actually would be going on as well. So t- certainly a tough blow with with that one. But mm-hmm. yeah, my my heart's fairly calloused to a lot of those things. Um. Yeah, I would say that I too. I mean it was a it was shocking, especially like that movie. I just kind of got into Vanier this year. Um, oh yeah, you saw that, that documentary. documentary. Yeah, it's kind of mind blowing, and and the whole the whole idea of just uh, living a more human life as a way to to just kind of prove that Christianity is the way that Christ is the way to humanization before even divinization. Um, in a kind of dehumanizing age i mean every age we've had had trouble seeing the the humanity of the other but i felt like the the whole larsh thing the vision that it was that it was founded on of seeing the dignity in people who are most kind of ignored or are written off i mean there's whole there's countries like is it denmark or iceland where they kind of boasted that they hadn't had any down syndrome births in the last year or something like that. Some crazy statistic, but it was just 
that they were boarding everybody uh, that was going to be mentally disabled because they believed that their quality of life or that this was some kind of act of mercy or public health. Um, and actually, you know, you, you watch that documentary and you're like, this is real life, you know, people without disabilities living with people who have disabilities and um, the kind of authentic community and love that's born from that. And some of the stuff he said about like just not belonging in the world of power and, and people living in their heads and trying to control other people with their ideologies and that the weak live in the dirt and in reality and are seeking friendship, not power. Like all that stuff is true. And you can, I mean, in some ways you, you have to divide the message from the messenger and say like, that stuff is true even if he didn't live it perfectly. Um, which is why I, I say it's, it feels a little harder that he sort of used some of his m- mystical mystique to manipulate people because that stuff that stuff is very true and beautiful. Um, it'd, be, it'd be better if he was like visiting brothels on the weekends than, than using spiritual direction as a way to, yeah. to abuse people. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I I think I I too am a little calloused that like what what can you expect <laughs> at this at this point? Uh yeah. it does also feel a little bit like well, geez, you know, it's already hard enough to make celibacy seem normal, and it's not normal. <laughs> you know, but here's here was a layman who never got married but, you know, gave his whole life to others in a different way. Um and then to find out that he's a sexual creep uh there's the self-consciousness there of like oh man this is it's even harder to get people to take us seriously with this you know what i mean um well you mentioned you mentioned kind of a reaction to it of um man this makes you want to just live like a more simple hidden life almost and i i don't know if that thought has crossed my mind but I I, st- I think that it, my own desire for that, when I hear stuff like like this, is a reaction of fear, where it's like, dude, yeah. if I, this is gonna happen to me. I'm just gonna be I'm gonna be a nothing, um, not in a choice to God and a, and a yes to His love and His will in my life, but in a reaction of fear of what might happen. And, and I and I know that that that's where that comes from. So I. I you know, I do try to fight that. Well, I, I just try to recognize that I don't think that's from the Lord. But mm. it does make me really grateful. Like, I, I did have a sense of peace that, you know, like, this is in this little parish in Rome, Georgia. Like, this is where God has me right now. And, uh, you know, I don't know what he's going to do in the future, but I, I am just supposed to live this kind of simple hidden priesthood right now. And, and man, I'm not grateful for that. <laughs> it's like, this is, I can just do what's right here in front of me. And, and so it actually did give me some consolation to, to just be where I am because I know that God, if I'm responding to him, that he's going to provide for what I need. And, and he knows this is what I can handle right now. You know, this is where he has me. And so just like a very peaceful, joyful acceptance of, of my life right now and of my vocation and my priesthood and 
And yeah, in, the, in a similar vein, wanting to pray for guys like Barron and Father Mike Schmitz and these these like big name guys that are leaders that we point to who speak truth about the faith that they can live authentically as well in that. Because, yeah, I mean, Barron's phrase has always stayed with me is it, it has to be an occupational hazard to to be like that you know to live in the spotlight all the time it's it's got to be super tough so it definitely makes me want to pray extra for for all those good examples that we have Hmm. and let's be honest i mean we're pretty pretty out there with three dogs north it's uh it's one of the top podcasts not even in just i mean we're not even a catholic podcast so Maybe that maybe that insulates us actually. <laughs> we're just famous podcasters. Oh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. We're not trying to be anybody we're not. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess oh, it is Lent. Sorry you for a, the you need a somber somber podcast. <laughs> sorry yeah. for what? No, sorry for the downer, but it just kind of is a downer. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to, once we got no, on totally. that. Totally, yeah. Well, we won our basketball game last night. That's good. I, I pulled hit, myself out in the, the last two minutes. No. <laughs> I did hit one tray. I, I just you was like, I, I'm not going to lose the game again. Yeah. <laughs> and trust, it was a close game, though. These guys were on a double header. They, they played right before, and let's be honest, it's none of us are in great shape, so... It makes it pretty hard, but they were draining threes. Like every time we'd get up by eight or ten, they would hit like two or three three pointers right narrow, and then we had to climb back. I don't think they ever led, but it was one of those games where it's man, we are constantly vulnerable. So they they did get a last shot off. They were up, down by two, and the guy got a decent three pointer up, and he missed it. Yeah, it was nail biter. That is a nail biter. It's fun though. Congrats. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Are you doing any sports or, um, well, yeah, physical exercise, Rob? I remember you did the half marathon. <laughs> are you, I, I realized are you in the middle of that question, I'm like, anything? <laughs> so, are you what shape are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I'm in a potato chip eating contest in a couple weeks <laughs> that, uh, should be pretty good. Uh, no, I'm running lays. the. Oh, definitely lays, man. Definitely. Nice. Um, I'm running the Champagne Half Marathon in April. So oh, that's right. Cool. Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I I would like to. You guys talk about the the sports, um, which would be fun. <laughs> but we don't have a. We don't have a. I always thought it'd be really fun to play on like a, a softball team with the parish in the summer. Yeah. But we don't have a team, and so oh, we're fun. maybe we can do that this summer. We'll we'll see. Um, but basketball. I'll be honest. Like basketball, I would play a game, and then I know I would be done. I would be like, eh, um, that's good eh. for like three years. Yeah. Over Move on. <laughs> it's like bowling. Um, bowling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time you bowl, it's yeah. like, man, I, yeah, why don't I bowl more? And then you're done with your first game of bowling and you're like oh yeah i could probably go another year without doing this again yep just check it off the <laughs> check it off the list there but no i've been i've been running a lot which has been good nice 
Yeah, I found that the running and the the exercising, the sports, as you say, mm-hmm. it's it's if not more, at least equally beneficial for just my like my mind, yeah, my emotional definitely. health, uh, as it is my physical health as well. So I remember you, Mike. It seemed like you when we were in seminary, you almost conscientiously didn't play as much basketball as you might have. Well, I think I was so I felt just like burned out. I was so you're busy. I had just played from playing so much. Yeah, just a ton of basketball, dude. <laughs> I didn't read books, period, before <laughs> like seminary. Really, I just and so then getting into school and actually enjoying what I was reading and and actually enjoying the act of reading. That was like a new world opened up to me that I had never mm. accessed before. And and so, yeah, I was kind of like, okay, that's we're going to let that go and uh, just really dive into this new passion that I had. And so it was just a natural transition. I don't know if I really intentionally uh, made that decision. but But now, I mean, getting back out and really like getting some lively competition and exerting yourself physically it's been it's been a great blessing for me here yeah it is it is how's your sunday league going it's good it's good i had to miss this past weekend i went down and baptized my nephew in atlanta uh his name is patrick walker and i'm his godfather and i baptized him Hmm. but I, i love that name patrick walker he is awesome that is a good name so yeah, I got to be with him, and I, I love having siblings and nieces and nephews. It's so fun. Um, yeah, you know, that's another thing that I recognize, that the Lord's placed all these, like, super good people in my life, these little supports. And, and you know, I wonder if, you know, a lot of, a lot of when I, when I know I get into trouble or, like when I'm not doing well is when I'm not reaching out to these people and, and resources that I have in front of me, these supports that God's placed in my life. And so a lot of it's like staying in contact with my, with my siblings in a close way and staying close to other priests, man, having good priest buddies has been so good for me being here. Mm. Yeah. But it's like, how, how can you live priesthood on your own? What the heck? It's impossible. Well, that's kind of what I was saying about the living liturgically is that it's really hard. Uh, it's not impossible to do, but it's just not the same uh, when you're living by yourself or just with one other guy. And like Jamie's got his own thing going and he's often got evening events and we don't have, we don't have like a dinner time that we eat every day or, or even every week. Um, we try to be intentional about like at least once a week having a hang session and, and talking stuff out and praying together and things like that. But, um, you know, and yeah, the grass and is always greener on the other side. I think religious life is not perfect either, but having a community where you are living liturgically and in community, mm-hmm. uh, does make it a different experience. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean living on your own, like, as a priest, like you can't live in your own house or something like that. I'm, that's not what I mean. I mean, 
not sharing your life or your priesthood right. with other priests. Mm-hmm. That like is in, impossible. In friendship. That's totally, I think it's impossible. Or at least unhealthy, we'll say that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. That's why I use you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what this is for. Yep. <laughs> this is we use each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, but it's consensual. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Mutually exploitative. No, I'm okay with it. That's a that's a JP two thing from Love and Responsibility. He says like uh, we shouldn't even call some of this stuff sex because it's even if it's consensual, like that's a very low bar. Um, like what sex is is this authentic self gift of two people who are in a committed sacramental relationship for life, exclusive, faithful, fruitful, and uh, anything else is mutually exploitative orgasm. You're just, you're just using wow. each other, even if you're, even Whoa. if you're, uh, yeah, M-E-O. <laughs> M-E-O. Do I need to, do I need to put PG-13 on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> just right in the waning moments of this podcast, we just blast it off. But that's that's a hard thing. I thought like when I read that, I thought that's what I'm going to talk about in marriage prep. And I and I do I do try to explain like you know because we don't we don't talk about sex and the sexual things that much, even though it's kind of like the thing that's most um, harped on or or scandalous and the thing that the church you know needs to update its doctrine on and get with the times and things like that like we don't what was great about theology of the body and jp2 sort of fearless going right at the thing was that everybody's thinking about it all the time or or preoccupied with it but nobody's really talking it out of like what's what's really going on here you Hmm. know what are we after um yeah i guess that's why it's troubling the the john vanier stuff or the, the micl stuff with Randium Christie is like, it ends up making us look like, especially in these really intense things, um, you know, communities that are, are really trying to live a distinct form of life. And when celibacy is part of it, you know, and there's that scene in Summer in the Forest when he's holding those two kids' hands that are engaged that live in the community. You know what I'm talking about? Do you guys see the movie? Yes, most of it. Yep. He talks very beautifully about commitment and faithfulness and how you're going to show us how what love looks like. And here's this guy who's celibate. He's not married himself, but sees the value so much in marriage. Um, like all that stuff is so, so true. Yeah. And to see it kind of like undermined upsets me. Yeah. Yeah, it just sucks, man. Just it's awful. It also this I know you guys got a we have 9 minutes here but it the all the talk about like how good um what do they call it like globalization is and I mean even yeah like obviously this podcast has been a blessing and and all of that but I've been something I've been thinking about like for the last few years off and on and not extensively but I might have been shout out to Isaac Coulter cuz it might have been him that was talking about this <laughs> and and maybe, yeah, right? But may, it could have been somebody else. So I apologize if it wasn't, but we'll attribute it to him. But he had read this theory that like 
human beings are not like if and if you think about it it kind of makes sense but we're not really meant to be able to to fly on airplanes and like kind of go through that shock on our bodies and everything like that like we're not, nothing about our biological design is meant or like our psychology is meant to be able to do that and like the pace that we do it today i think this whoever wrote this article was saying like it's just not good for the human person to to do that like we need to slow down in some ways and it's interesting when something like that happens of like realizing as well a guy like Vanier has had through his work which a lot of it is good um the work that he's done has had like a big impact on you and we hear about something like that like you have this desire to just you know, like go tell him off or like be mad at him. And you're like, wait a second. I don't know this guy. Hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's just this weird place to be in when something like that happens. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Like we're not in a place to, yeah, the way that fame can happen very quickly and very easily in the information age does uh i guess you said this podcast is a blessing so what i hear you saying the but is like people don't really know us even though they listen to hours and hours of us talking well that's true that's true i mean that wasn't the point like in there but that's but yeah that's that's true that's this just the uh side effect of being able to have access to people's lives sure in a new way um that is not natural like you're not yeah i mean there's always been <laughs> there has... i was about to say there's always been talk radio <laughs> that's not true at all well that's a relatively I... <laughs> recent invention as well yeah <laughs> say uh... more about that this yeah <laughs> wow that's really dumb um <laughs> yeah well i'm not a luddite i don't i don't think that all technology is bad and that oh me neither man you know me and like neither. everything yeah, agriculture changed the way human beings interact with each other and totally writing did and all of that but uh yeah to not recognize that like just in the in less than a generation the way that information is passed is totally different. Um, I read an article recently. Did we talk about this? It was like a, this kind of scientific stuff around the effect that porn is having on people. Um, we have not talked about it, no. I can't remember the article. I'll try to link to it if I can find it, but it was long, and it was just sort of like statistics, which can be kind of iffy sometimes, but they were from done by non-agenda-driven you know, agenda driven, uh, study organizations about like some of the physical cost of pornography addiction it's having on men, uh, especially, but, uh, by proxy women as well. And some women who are users, but the, he called it the tube era that, uh, since the invention of YouTube and streaming and algorithms of like related videos, since you watch this one, you might like this one. And if you've been on a YouTube vortex because of ping pong, um, imagine <laughs> the, imagine the, the dopamine effect and the addictive nature of like a site that gets Dude, you into that so vortex true. through your, that's through your sexual instinct. It's just profound. And, yeah. Um, 
he's saying like internet pornography it's changed like since when was youtube like 07 um and some of the statistics are are really eye-opening about like erectile dysfunction among men under 40 uh was i can't remember the exact percentage but it was you know orders of magnitude what it is in the populations before the tube era existed um so it's kind of like you know high fructose corn syrup or something like yeah there's sugar in nature and there's sugar has always been part of our diet and bread has always been the staple of our diet but the way we're eating it and that like because of the technology like our bodies are not ready for all of this kind of this thing even though it's sort of like the substance itself sort of like the thing that we're used to uh eating or consuming but it's not in a it's in a way like super intense and way more available and not exactly natural like not to the natural ends that 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 thing is like so in pornography it's it's hijacking a system in your brain and your soul and uh and driving it back in on itself and you get all sorts of health problems um so the same thing happens like if we're not that's where that's where Lavanya thing actually was cool to me it was like he was kind of going back to you know what was cool about that movie is like there's not a lot of cell phones and tvs it's it's mostly people eating and being together mm-hmm. you know sort of return to a more human pace or a more human scale of life um you know what i mean i'm tracking you tracking yep Porn is like the high fructose corn syrup of your soul. That's what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. the point. It's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Fame. We figured Fame out Ash the... Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's what Ash Wednesday is all about. <laughs> <laughs> Won't someone tell us the true meaning of Ash Wednesday? <laughs> no. Go away. I'm a celibate. <laughs> This one will go down right. in lore, man. Just like the, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, they nail the meaning of Christmas. Mm-hmm. This is what will go down in history is what nails the meaning of Ash Wednesday. <laughs> Holy mercy. I hope. I can only hope. In Look, I, I just in, am envisioning in 2,000 years when people are listening to our podcast mm-hmm. as the second reading in the Office of Readings they're going to hear this episode on ash wednesday yeah well i mean up on their there's really no reason to to not hope with modern science that we won't still be around then either good point (laughs) it'll just be us still podcasting (laughs) live for the second reading of office of readings (laughs) all right see ya see ya Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball.
Spooky dogs. Spooky dogs. Good girl.